0: Hi, welcome to the newest episode of The Adoption Files. Today, I welcome the very talented Jamie Nagy. I hope I pronounced her last name correctly. Yes. Uh, <laughs> good. Jamie lives in Dayton, Ohio with her husband and their two dogs. She is fortunate to have her five children also living in the area. Jamie went back to school to complete her master's degree in English with an emphasis on creative nonfiction her master's thesis work centered on writing literary adoption memoir, and she is currently working on a memoir project from home. So thank you for being here today, Jamie. Oh, thank you for having me. Oh, you're welcome. I, I learned so much from talking with everyone, and it's it's just so impressive. Uh, I think if people more people heard our stories, they would be much more... Uh, receptive to talking with adoptees about access to our documents and.
1: Oh, I would hope so.
0: Yeah. So that's what we do this for, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we talk about all of this. So you were born in one of the more restrictive states.
1: Hmm.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. I, I looked up. so you were born in Illinois. Mm-hmm. And you were also adopted in illinois right okay so illinois is one of those states that denies unrestricted access to adult adoptees for their original birth certificates and they do one of those things that i call like the um the death kind of decree basically they limit unrestricted access to anybody born before January 1st, 1946. So that, you know, you can kind of think most of those people that you'd be looking for are probably going to be gone.
1: Right. Interesting. What do you mean by unrestricted access? Because I do have my original birth certificate that I, you know, once they pass a law, I could get it. That's about, you know, that's all I can get. And I have a story about a restriction, but what do you mean by unrestricted access? So some states
0: have an unrestricted right to request and obtain your original birth documents, which means that. Did I lose you? No. Can you hear
1: me? I'm still here. Oh, Andy, I can't hear you. You can't hear me. Okay, so
0: it looks like my internet went down for a moment. Oh, okay. Yeah, I I love this technology. (laughs) (laughs) I feel bad because people take the time out to to be interviewed and then like every third show, the internet goes, "Uh
1: uh-uh. Oh, it's I'm fine. You don't have to worry about me.
0: Okay. All right. Well then hopefully the listeners will continue to be patient with me and my inability to edit. Uh, So, so like in Oregon, there are 10 states in the United States that actually allow adult adoptees, and they do have an age, you know, 18 or 21 is the norm. But if you're over 18 or over 21, you just fill out usually a one-page application. You pay usually similar to what a non-adopted person would pay. And they give you a copy of your birth certificate.
1: Right. But see, so I can do that. I did that. There were, it was a few, so I don't know, like 2000 and now mind you, I had done all my searching. So I already knew, you know, the names of everyone that might be on that birth certificate, but I, I do have it. You can get it in Illinois and that's been in the last 10 years, maybe.
0: Yeah, and and that's the thing about uh, the difference between unrestricted and open access because Illinois, if you were born, uh, they used to have this thing called a denial of information exchange if you were born after January 1st, 1946. And this meant that your birth parents had until January 1st of 2011 mm, right to sign a form denying any release of information now i'm sure some advocates were really excited but that that um, had to be filed prior to January 1st 2011 cuz you're thinking after that you can just request it mm. but what what illinois did was beginning January 1st 2011 birth parents may file a birth parent preference form that can prohibit the release of, mm. their, of their name, their address, the adoptees given last name. So, so it's like they, they closed that window for anyone whose parent still did not wish to have information released.
1: So like now you're saying even now someone could, a birth parent could put that restriction. Absolutely. Okay. I get what you're saying. Well, thankfully mine didn't, and I'm not thanking them because I think they would have if they had, you know, known to do it. Cause my understanding when it happened is they sent it out in like that, like that, a little note or something about. If birth parent preference if you want to do something with like the stickers for cars or vehicle registrations or they sent a postcard out like the way they communicated it it, I'm guess well I I guess my birth dad lived in Missouri then okay so they wouldn't have had a an address for him yeah. And hunted down like I did. And then I think my birth mom might've been in Florida by then too. So maybe, but am I right? Is that what they did? They kind of, they like advertised, Hey, if you don't want your name released. I think you know.
0: so, but I, I don't know if they did it through uh, the mail, but I do know that, and you're, and you had experience with these people you worked with they had the Illinois Adoption Registry and Medical Information Exchange. Right. And they are kind of the gatekeepers. So that's like another level of restriction that Illinois mm. implements
1: mm. because you have to go through these intermediaries. You're right. And you had to register with that first before you could hire an, a, a mediary. Yeah. And you had to hire someone. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is just
0: so unfair. It's such a, an added barrier to access.
1: That- right. So it would be different if I hired a private investigator who then let, put all the information in my hands and let me take it from there. But instead I, I not, you know, looking back, maybe I should have done that, but the confidential intermediary process, you're hiring them to go find the information. And then there they sit with it and you only get what, you know, what they either let slip out in my case, or, you know, what a different adult says you can have, meaning my birth parents, you know, it's just a, it's a very different, yeah, definitely a gatekeeper.
0: Yeah. And a lot of it depends on what that person's attitude is towards
1: adoptees and adoptee access. Yeah. And in my case, the gal, which I'm sure she's a lovely person. It was fine, but you know, I'm talking to her and she's the only person in my whole life that I know who's ever talked at that point to my birth mom and she's 26 and she just graduated from graduate school. And, you know, part of me wanted to pinch your nose off. I'm like, you haven't lived long enough, you know, to even have an opinion about this. You've read, read books about it. Maybe, you know, it just, it was, you know, I don't know. Anger comes out in weird places and sometimes, and I sometimes got frustrated with her that she had all my secrets.
0: Oh, sure. I, you know, and the thing about having a social worker, especially one who just graduated, I'm sorry, my husband decides to run water in the other room <laughs> and it's being very loud. So we're going to close <laughs> the door. Uh, he doesn't usually do that when I'm on here. Aww. So what a lot of people don't realize when you're working with somebody who is not an adoptee, uh, social workers and MFTs and so forth you're only required to do like a 15 minute kind of deal on adoption during your training. Wow. Like it's barely mentioned that may be changing, but I completed my degree in 2010, which was 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. 12 and we didn't talk about adoption at all, especially not as a trauma. Mm. And the same thing with like substance abuse. Nobody, they don't really talk about that either. So it's a kind of interesting omission. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So we kind of like, I feel like I kind of jumped ahead here in the crowd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we just kind of, we're free flowing here, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, okay. So you were born and adopted in Illinois. Were your parents from Illinois at that point? My birth parents. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And then, did you grow up in Illinois? Yes. So, and you knew the whole, from like when you were really young that you had been adopted.
1: Yes, my parents did a great job with that, in my opinion. They just told me my story every day, you know, from infancy on, and. I just never remember a shock. I just always knew. It was always part of me.
0: Oh, okay. Well, that's good. Mm -hmm. It must've felt much more comfortable. I think so. Well, yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Did you feel, I mean, even though they talked to you about it and, and seemed open though, did you feel comfortable asking them questions?
1: No, you know, that's interesting. And I, I wouldn't say it's because of them, but like, I don't ever remember actually talking to them about it either. You know, so it must have been, I don't want to say totally pre-verbal, but it must have been settled at a young enough age that I just wasn't asking questions. I just knew it. You know, I answered questions like at school, you know, we have, you have classmates asking you, why didn't your parents keep you or who's your real mom? You know, like I answered questions, but I don't remember really going to my parents with questions until I know I did one time in high school. I said, I wanted to search and my dad discouraged me from it saying that he wanted me to, they wanted me to wait until I was 18. Other than that, I don't really remember, you know, asking much. So you felt
0: comfortable enough that, that you were prepared to seek Mm -hmm. information when you were 16, but your parents wanted you to wait until you were an adult.
1: Yeah. And that's hard for me. Um, I really do have a deep appreciation and love for my parents. So, and it's, it's come full circle. You know, I I've done the whole search and reunion and watched my parents kind of struggle with it. Um, And I'm on the other side of that. So I I don't mean to gloss over, you know, the stuff and, and the whole thing about adoptees having to say that they love their parents. You know, I went through that And I'm on the other side. So I just, I'm asking you listeners to trust that I'm not in that state. When I say, I love my parents, I'm not in that stage of, but I have to say that I I really am thankful. And I don't have blame for them. You know, the stuff that I went through, um, was painful because of my birth parents, um, And again, not to blame, but it, but it didn't come from my parents. So all that to say, uh, yes, it bothers me that when I was 16 and I was feeling led and wanting information at a time that turns out is kind of normal, you know, for a teenage adoptee, quote unquote, Um, you know, my dad operated as a gatekeeper then, and, you know, I don't even think he would know that that's a word in adoptee world, but, you know, and I, because my birth parents rejected me, you know, years later when I found them, like, it makes me go, okay, well, what would have happened if I could have searched and found, you know, when I was 16 would things have been different, yeah. but they, yeah, they were doing what they thought was right for me, <laughs> just like all the people do. <laughs> for us.
0: <laughs> yeah, I know that's that's a complicated thing because you know, people, I think, have their own reasons for telling themselves that that it's mm-hmm. better that we don't know or that it's better that we wait until a certain date or time. right. And and I think it's self-serving even though they may not be aware that that's what they're doing. Right. And uh, but yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's really encouraging that you've been able to work through that with your parents. Cause I know mm-hmm. that that's a hard thing for a lot of adoptees. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, that's good that you yeah. know, and I, and I think, you know, for anybody listening, Jamie probably had a much easier time working through it with her parents. I'm not saying it was easy, but because they
1: told her from the beginning and there were yeah it's big secrets and big lies I mean I know the late discovery stuff I I just I can only imagine yeah it's not a lot of fun
0: yeah so now then when you turned 18 was the first thing you did go and apply for your
1: documents That's funny. You you know, you would think I would. And I, I thought you were going to say search when you say apply for documents, you know, that, that language wasn't even, there was no internet then like, I don't even know what I would have done that looked like applying for documents. You know, I, in in my baby book, I had some, a slip of non-identifying information I think I had like a handwritten letter from the foster mom that had me for a few days just about me being, you know, my behavior as a baby. Um, I think I had the legal transaction, like a letter from the attorney's office um, referencing the adoption agency, but the adoption agency was had closed you know since I had been adopted so I do remember driving by that like where it would have been and it was a restaurant by then you know so I went to cut co- what I'm trying to say I guess is I went to college at the same place that I was born so I grew up in Decatur Illinois I was born in Champaign Illinois and I went to University of Illinois which is in Champaign And for whatever reason, I just always imagined that my parents probably went to school there. You know, I just thought a young couple that, you know, that makes sense. Maybe they were in college. And so, I, you know, I started my freshman year and I did, like I said, I drove by that place. I mean now at least I felt like I was in the town and I started to feel like I was separate from my parents and I could do this or that and I th- I think I looked through seriously some yearbooks once you know with the intention of having my eyes open which cracks me up I mean that would be a needle in a haystack mm-hmm. I have no name no picture what was I looking for you know but anyway then I just got so immersed in my college experience, and I I loved my four years in college, and I just that was it. I just didn't I didn't revisit it after that.
0: Well, I think a lot of us
1: get so busy with our lives. Thankfully, sometimes, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. That it's just something that you kind of put off until. You feel like you have time because it's such an emotional and can be such a labor intensive process,
1: right?
0: Yeah. Because you really went through a lot in order to, to get sure, even the little bit of information that you were able to access. Yes. I mean, so the letter, the letter from your lawyer or the lawyer and the information in your baby book and, and anything that you did have, that was information that your parents held on to and gave to you when you were
1: older. Right. It was in my baby book, like in, maybe in my room even, or wherever we kept, you know, uh, photo albums and stuff. So I, I could look at it anytime I wanted.
0: Okay. That's actually kind of cool. Yeah. It's funny how we don't make the connections sometimes though, isn't it? Like we see it, but it takes a while before we really understand the what it means.
1: Yeah. And I guess now I know that it there's a whole lot more that they don't have, I assume, you know, or else they would have given it to me. But that whoever has my five, well, I know kind of know that there's just a whole lot more, a, a whole lot more papers. <laughs> Somewhere. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay, but not in your parents' hands, like not in your right. adoptive parents' hands. These are right. these are the papers that are maintained by the state of Illinois. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. They're protecting them for, for someone, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You From know, a mother much. of five with two dogs. <laughs> yeah. It's it's crazy. So now, when you did start your, your search, and I know that the language, like you said, of applying for your documents didn't really exist at, at that point. And honestly, I didn't know I had documents. Right. Yeah. It, it was kind of a process of realizing, oh, you know, if I want to find these people, I'm going to need something to start with. Right. And like you, my adopted mom had kept some of the documents from when um, they adopted me. And when I discovered that I was adopted, she passed on those papers to me. So I think for me, the papers were just kind of like the bedrock of the whole thing to begin with.
1: Uh, I see. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But I forget because I didn't have the same experience that, that the idea of searching, like you, did you grow up just like searching people's faces? And
1: I, I did do that. I did, um, you know, occasionally just I was aware that I was doing that. I was looking at people wondering, does she look like me? Could that could be my mom? Um, or I would have someone say, especially more as I got older, like, Oh, you look like so." you know, that would always kind of, and it would just be fun at that point to say, Oh my goodness, well I'm adopted. So that always kind of freaks me out. And you know, then we would talk about and realize, no, that it couldn't be, it couldn't be. Um, the papers, now that you're saying that, I do remember, I know I called that attorneys. I, I know I called that office. I don't know at what point, but before my search that actually went somewhere, I, I know I called that office and got the whole, oh, well, those records are blah, blah, blah. You know, I don't know if they said sealed or he's retired or we don't have access to those files anymore, you know, something like that. So I kind of got shut down. I viewed those papers as non identifying. And anything that was in there was non identifying to me. They weren't going to help me, I guess is what I'm trying to say.
0: Oh, okay. And that's interesting. And so, so I think in some ways you could, say that a lot of adoptees who know they're adopted growing up, you're already kind of searching, mm. maybe, maybe even without even really thinking about it, especially right. especially if you believe your parents are from the same area that you're growing up in. Right. And then did your parents, did they attend the same university that you did?
1: Turns out, yes. I was That's, right. That is so. <laughs> so, so. You, wait, did you wait say I this? have to say this because this is crazy. And one of the addresses that my birth mom lived at, and when I say this, it my heart like is affected. I want people to know that, right? Like, it's. I want non-adoptees to know that. Like, I don't just go, oh, ho, 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 here's a little fun fact, like my heart turns over, but one of the addresses that my birth mom lived at, it was like 11, I have it written down, but like 1103 West Nevada Avenue. And my address, well, it must've been 1104 because all the evens would be on one side. Mine was 1110 West Nevada Avenue. I literally, yes, 18 years later, ish or no, I guess it'd be, I think she was 21 ish. I I was living a block away from where she lived on campus. It just blows my mind. That would feel so surreal. It does. And her picture actually was on the wall. Like after I found her, the friend whose mom helped me find my first picture of her was walking through that sorority and saw my birth mom's like, whatever profile picture, I fr- they, I think they call them composites, on on the wall, and sent me a picture of her.
0: That's so. I mean, what if you went away? That oh, that would feel so strange. I, <laughs> it does. I it, it turns out that one of the colleges that I had really wanted to go to, but couldn't you know, I had the grades for it, but I couldn't afford it Mm -hmm. Uh, is where my father graduated from. And I thought about how strange that would be to walk on the campus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, And see. And so did you think like when you're walking around, like
1: this is where my
0: parents might have walked or sat or. I
1: did. And I learned that she, well, in my non-identifying little ripped sheet of paper it said her hobby was dancing and I danced my whole growing up and I was on the dance team in Illinois my very first semester there as a freshman I took ballet um on campus at the in their dance department and I still wonder like I was just there um Month or two ago, sadly, for a funeral, and I drove by the dance studio. And you know, things change on campus so much, so who knows? But I know she started now, I know she started there as a dance major. Oh, wow. She to accounting, yeah. So I'm just like, yes, while I was on campus, I did, I did, I do remember go, you know, thinking back through the old alignets the dance team pages and wondering if she was on there she never was a alignet though I know that now
0: still that would be
1: yeah it's something we share you know a love for that state and that I know for a fact she's nostalgic from what her kids tell me and I'm very nostalgic it's something we share a love for and yet we can't you know they won't allow themselves to you know know me and reminisce about any of that which i'm sure by their senior year being pregnant it was traumatic but yeah
0: well a lot of years have passed since then yeah so i think a lot of our parents have never dealt with the trauma that they experienced or yeah. the or the trauma that they continue to experience by not being allowed to talk about what, Eight. yeah, what they had lost. And I think, you know, we talk about adoptee silence and how damaging it is to it is to us to not be able to ask, mm-hmm. you know, open and honest questions and receive answers. I, you know, it's also been incredibly damaging to, yeah. yeah, to our parents to have to carry that around with them.
1: For sure. And I, you know, the, the frustration comes the amount of therapy, like counseling, reading, researching, um, run, literally running like the amounts of therapeutic things I've done to cope with and get on the other side, especially of the second, you know, rejection from them. Um, so then you have i have frustration of like well did have they done that you know it, to me it appears they haven't you know i just i just would long for them to get to a you know but a, a healthy place but i don't know them so maybe they are and they still just don't want you know there's a lot of i don't knows and that that would send me back to counseling <laughs> probably. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. I, you know, the amount of
0: money that,
1: <laughs> yes. has, that
0: we have spent and that has been earned off of our yeah. options is pretty mind boggling. Yeah. So, so then you were actually in your late thirties then when you applied with yeah. the state. Yes. So now at this point, how had you learned that you could apply to the state? Do you remember?
1: Oh, darn. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Well, I mean, I can't hardly talk about it without, you know, saying that we have four biological children and I was in the adoptee state of paying it forward. So was my husband for his own reasons. And so we adopted our fifth daughter from our fifth child. I should say our second daughter from Haiti. Um, She came to us when I was about 36. So yes, she was my wake up alarm of, well, I'm just, I don't want to say just like her, because she was in an orphanage for 2 years in Haiti but i but i'm i'm like her and then i'm not, not genetically related to my parents okay and it's, it's nothing i didn't yeah it's something that i didn't already know but she was like a the embodiment of it and she was behaving as someone who was struggling you know, at two and a half. And it, I mean, it was blowing our house apart, really. Um, and so it started to just dysregulate me. I mean, I was, I was, I couldn't sleep well when normally I can sleep well. I just, everything was coming undone in our house. And at some point I started having panic attacks and, It just, it it was my adoption stuff that was unraveling. And so when you say, do you know if you could apply? I I feel like I must have gotten on the internet and just Googled. Because I remember applying to a couple, maybe one for sure, maybe two, like out of the blue registries, you know, like... Mm -hmm you know, here's a website where you, if your birth parent enters in baby girl born, blah, 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 then, and you say you're, you're, you were a baby girl, but you know, like here's how you can be matched. And so I, I think I had done that a couple times, just a shot in the dark thinking what a beautiful thing that could be. And then I realized, you know, I must've Googled it and figured out i needed a, a confidential intermediary that was the next step
0: well, do you think that having gone through the process to adopt and becoming aware of that whole uh, you know bureaucratic mm. procedure do you do you think that that might have in kind of informed you about what must have had to occur with your own adoption
1: you would think but i I, th- I think not so much because we have everything of hers like it's it's completely open and it's also international you know so that's going to look different all by itself but then like we have her original birth certificate and i it really wasn't clicking with me. It was probably creaking open doors.
0: Okay. And, and then, so do you feel like her, you know, what she was experiencing and what she was going through just brought up a lot of that pre-verbal stuff for you, like you were seeing a reflection?
1: Yes. Yes. I, I it was like my body, was responding to it. I, I must have been, I'd, I'd not thought about this Andy until now, but I must have been, I, I am a deep thinker. I'm way more cerebral than, you know, body connected. And I, I must have been really good at using my brain over body Until she came along and my body just, I just couldn't deny it. And it was working its way up to my brain, I think is what was happening. I
0: wonder, you know, tell me if I'm wrong. I I wonder if, I know that when I discovered that I was adopted, it was like this deep well of grief had just been cracked open. And... I just wonder if seeing what your daughter was going through mm-hmm. just brought up all of that, you know, like that somatic yes. pain that you had been carrying around for, you know, since you were born.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the grief part of it did not come for me. Until they both said no, thank you. Like, I, I think I still, like, the, my need to know would, had reached an all time high for sure. And I was being driven to find them. And I, but I, I still had hope. I wasn't grieving yet, I would say. It wasn't until. They both said, no, thank you, that I just, you know, spiraled.
0: Oh, I'm so sorry that they
1: mm-hmm. denied. Yeah, that's, and
0: especially because with Illinois, with them saying no, you were then denied access to your original birth certificate and the information that it contained until the laws changed. Right, Exactly. But- yeah, so you spent at least a little while without that information.
1: Yeah. Well, do you want me to tell you how I found him?
0: <laughs> yeah. What how did that? So at thirty six or thirty seven, wow. you've decided you're going to
1: figure out what's happening with you and and why. Right. So I, I did the confidential, I can't say it confidential. Um, it was a beautiful birthday must've been my 37th birthday because my, my parents gave me cash. They always give me money for my birthday anyway, but they gave me extra and on the card, it said, you know, we want you to use this towards finding your, you know, birth parents, we, no, it's something you've always wanted to do. And if you're ready, you know, and if you're not, use it otherwise. Um, and then my husband also gave me cash with a similar note and the two of them had not discussed it. Oh, so no. I, yeah, I just, I, I feel like, again, one of those, to me, it's an adoptee moment where other people are defining you better than you can define yourself. You know, it's like they knew they could see it, that that was something I needed. And I knew I needed it maybe, but I wasn't, I didn't, you know, I have to have money to do it and blah, blah, and permission kind of. And anyway, so I did the confidential intermediary stuff and she found my birth mom and we got that no, thank you. And then around Thanksgiving and then shortly right before new year's. And then I almost feel like I got it on new year's day. I got a letter from him through her anonymously telling me, you know, no, thank you. Um, you know, I still believe the laws are right. And you know, he, he sounded caring. Although his sister later told me the letter sounded very cold to her. It made her teary. Um, you know, and he encouraged me to focus my energy on my, on the family who had raised me and thanks. Thanks dad. Okay. You know, like Uh advice I've been doing that my whole life, but okay.
0: Yeah, that's Ugh. very familiar. And my my mother does that to me, and I just I'm just like, n- yeah. Her whole her whole thing is always like, you have a great, family, yeah. But you need to just focus on that, and I yeah. Anyway,
1: go on. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. So um, how I found them is. Somehow I found American Adoption Congress. I don't know how, and they're, they're I think they are still called that, but they're under completely different leadership. Their whole thing has been overturned or upside down. But um, American Adoption Congress in 2008, and they had listed on their website search angels by state, and in that at that time I lived in South Dakota. And I was led to, well, I just called this search angel. Um, and she and I hit it off. I mean, even to the point that she had lost a baby. She's an adoptive mom, by the way, of two. She had lost a baby at to SIDS at about six months of age. And that baby's name was Jamie. as a baby girl named Jamie. So we were like... What's going on? <laughs> Just very, very interesting. I want to say the baby had the same birth date as mine, even, which I don't know if I'm making that up. But anyway, that search angel through American Adoption Congress started coming alongside me and she was aware of what was going on with the confidential intermediary. Tell me if this is getting too long and too boring. Nope, that's good. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, I'm on the, I, so I was telling my search angel all these details and she was so experienced at helping people find, you know, their families. So she was able to say, yes, no, drop that. That's not right. Yep. That's, you know, she was just very helpful. So my, my confidential intermediary, we're about to wrap up like working together because both birth parents have said no. And they both have verbalized to my CI confidential intermediary that they don't want me to contact any family members because that would have been my next, you know, option. And at the time over the phone with her, I'm feeling however I'm feeling. I mean, come on, you know, You feel like a mouse, smaller than a mouse. You've knocked on the door. You've upset their lives. Um, You know, I'm just so, I'm also just so glad to have found them to know that they're real people and I've had some anonymous communication with them. So I'm feeling very powerless. And also compliant and need to be compliant. And so, yeah, I verbalized to her, I don't, I don't think I ever said, cause I feel like my search angel told me not to, you know, that I would honor that for the rest of, you know, forever and ever. I think I said something like, well, I have no wish to further disrupt their lives, meaning them, you know? Yeah. So whatever, maybe you know, I'm being a little cavalier by just communicating my story and not theirs, Maybe they see me as a betray, a betrayer. So they, so they because I was agreeing to, you know, not pursue through the confidential inter- intermediary who I would have had to pay another two hundred dollars to go find a sibling, and there were six of them you know because i was agreeing to not do that she was ready to close it up send the whatever report to the judge and let that you know and be done and i was finishing up my conversation with her knowing we wouldn't talk much more and like i said she's the only one who's ever spoken to my birth parents and i just wanted some last things to hold on to and i asked her that you know and she said a few things that I don't remember. And then she said, and you're, oh, she told me that our, my birth mom and I spoke very similarly. Our voices sounded very similar. And that made me cry that whatever she had said before that one made me cry. And I asked for more detail and she talked about the pacing, the volume, um, Carefully choosing our words in a similar manner. Um, So I was crying, and she said, "And your names are similar." And I stopped crying. (laughs) I was like, "What?" (laughs) Uh, No laughing, but yeah, like that was important. And she said, "Yeah, your names are similar." And I I was so I'm like, "How could that be?" I remember saying out loud, like. Jamie. Like my parents named me Jamie. My dad's name is James. Like it can't be Jamie. And then I'm like, I'm married. How can my married name be the same? You know, what in the world? And she just kind of on. she said, well, you wouldn't believe the coincidences we find, you know, they name their cats, the same, their kids, the same, their pets, and that was kind of the end of it. And we got off the phone. And I called my search angel, and she she said, "Yeah, you're you're done with her." Or no, I think it was one more phone call because my search angel called it. Oh gosh, I'm this one little piece. So I took that information that our names were similar. I got in my Yukon black black Yukon XL, four dollars a gallon at the time drove to Illinois. It was a 12 hour drive. My best friend from high school met me and we went down into the student archives and looked through the yearbooks during the years that she would have been there looking for someone who had a similar name that looked like me. That was my plan. (laughs) And we found a gal, Jeannie Danhouse. Somehow Jeannie Danhouse sounded like Jamie Nagy to me. And I chased that bunny for a little bit. And I found like a sweet guy, Nate was his name. And he was like, I don't know, that's my aunt. I found him on MySpace. <laughs> we had this, you know, this back and forth. He's like, no, it's it can't be her. And, but he wished me the best. And so I, I talked to my confidential intermediary one more time. And I just mentioned that to her. I mean, she, I thought we were friends. She was supportive of me through some difficult things. I told her that I had gone searching. Next thing I know, she's telling me she's going to have to include that in the report. And I, yeah. And it's in there that she had to let the judge know. Because I can't remember now what was at stake. Like if it had to be, if I could go looking for my, Siblings or not, I don't remember. But anyway, when I when I told my search angel that part of it, that she said she was gonna have to include that in the report. My search angel said, Yeah, you're done talking to her. She knows she made a mistake, she knows she slipped, and you're scaring her now because <laughs> she let out something she shouldn't have, and you're you're running with it.
0: Yeah, yeah she's probably feeling like her job is threatened because and I mean the fact that there's this intermediary involved there's this Uh, judge they have access to your records like intermediary like you said she's just some girl yeah young one young woman she's just some young woman who who you know why does she have a greater right to see
1: your adoption file than you do. It it's unfathomable. And it's still hard for me to get to that place where I, I believe I deserve to know, like it was then too. Like I, I just, when my search angel told me that, that she had made a mistake, it's so hard for adoptees, right? I'm feeling like, no, I'm screwing up. No, I shouldn't be doing this. no, she's the worker. I'm the one that stepped out of bounds. No, I, you know, it's just Bye. very hard to feel confident. So if I, here's how I found her, if she had never said that your name sounds familiar, when I saw the upside down cursive, very long, complicated Polish last name of my birth mom on a file and and if another search angel found the obituary of that my grandpa with her my birth mom listed as who she is married and it sounded like my name i would have i wouldn't have been able to connect it do you see what i mean i do Okay, I would have been stuck with a really long upside down cursive name. name, Yeah. But I wouldn't have been able to go, aha. (laughs) But as soon as we saw Father 2, so and so, and you know, I mean, the search angel in Chicago and I just flopped back on her couch. We were like, oh my gosh, that's her. Well, how did you get to that point? How did you get from
0: confidential intermediary? Yeah, yeah, I can't say it. Yeah. (laughs) 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 Confidential intermediary telling you, yeah, now you're going to get in trouble uh, for being nosy about stuff that's none of your business uh, to, to the obituary for your grandfather.
1: I know it's my favorite part is that I think that CI, I'm pretty sure she's the one in one of those sad conversations before I had gone searching, I said, well, where is my file? Like the adoption agency closed. Where's my file? You know what? It might've been me calling back to that attorney's office. Now that I think about it, because when I called, This time, as a 30, you know, eight year old woman with a search angel in my back pocket, you know, I knew what to ask. I guess I, I, someone, either my CI or that attorney's office, said, Well, once that agency closed, all those files were sent to Children's Home and Aid Society in Chicago. So I had another place to call. And I think it was my search angel that was like, we need to know where, you know, your actual file is. So I called there and got referred, transferred to a post-adoption social worker. Let's just call her B. Her name is, we'll call her B. Um, and she, she said, yes, you know, this is how much it costs. <laughs> for me to get your file. I don't know what I paid her for. I, I don't know what I paid her for. I, I ended up paying her for a narrative. I wanted redacted copies of my whole file, but I got like a five page narrative and I just worked my way in with her. Like I, I drove to Chicago nine hours And I met with her, downtown Chicago. I mean, yeah, it was downtown Chicago. And the first time I met with her, she said, well, it's too bad you won't, this is important. It's too bad you won't be back here again soon. Because then maybe I could sit with you with your file and just tell you the non-identifying information that's in there. And I was like, heck yeah, I'll be back. (laughs) So I was, I drove back again. Um, and I had heard by then through my search angel and other conversations like you're having with adoptees about social workers who have a tender heart towards someone like me, who's born in the closed adoption era and knows that now almost all adoptions are open it's unheard of really to have a closed adoption and so and that they felt tender and they would say I'm gonna go use the restroom I'll be back in 12 minutes you know or 10 minutes and would leave the adoptee in the room with the file so I I went with that ex not that expectation but that hope that something could come my way And it did in the form of her, she said to me, you know, I'm sitting across the table from her and she said to me, now my thumb is over. I'm going to keep my thumb on this part or this tab of the file because your birth mom's maiden name is under there. And I, you know, I obviously can't tell you that. And so I just, Stared at her thumb when she wasn't looking and tried really hard to see what was under there. And a couple times she lifted her thumb, and to me, it looked deliberate you know, whatever. I saw what was under there, upside down cursive, and I scribbled it every way, every time I saw it. And I took it to the search angel that lived around the corner. And I, I had talked to her because she's from Illinois and that's where I was adopted. So she was great. I walked in exhausted. She opened the door, she's like, What'd you get? I'm like, I don't know. You know, like I think it's this name, I think it's the spelling. And I I went and collapsed on her couch and she ran it through some supercomputer that she had in her loft apartment and came up with my grandpa's obituary, very Polish, you know, it was unbelievable.
0: The fact that you have to go through those kind of machinations, Uh, it's, it's just, it's just completely nuts. And I mean, I will say, I, I would love to find out like where the statistics are that say that most adoptions today are are open because everybody Mm -hmm. I'm talking to says that that's not the case, but I, but I have heard that
1: said, I, the thing, the records are open, right? It's just that. No. Oh, Hmm. no, no. Like
0: I said, 10 States in the United States. That's
1: that's that are happening today. Correct. Huh? Yeah, I know I've read that there's still well, because it's a it's
0: a popular notion that the adoption industry likes to put out there, because it reassures birth parents that they can maintain contact with children. And it's uh, almost all closed adoptions that begin or almost all open adoptions that begin open close by the time the child starts kindergarten. Wow. Because it's not legally enforceable unless you write it into the adoption contract. So unless the mother or father writes it into the adoption contract at the time of the adoption, it is up to the adoptive parents discretion whether or not they want to maintain contact with the um, first parents and many times, the majority of the time, according to what I'm hearing from people, is that as soon as the child begins to ask too many questions or to act out or to voice confusion over having two sets of parents, uh, most adoptive parents close contact. And, And as far as open adoption in the sense that children have access to their original Mm -hmm. and unadulterated birth certificate. All adoptions in the United States, unless otherwise indicated by the adoptive parents, list the adoptive parents as if the child were born to them. And that is your amended birth certificate. And so if you are not in a state that allow, and even then, if you're in a state that allows access, you still have to meet the age requirement before they'll allow that. Right. So, so it's,
1: a pop, it's a popular fiction. Andy, wow.
0: Yeah. And it's one that, that the adoption industry is super hip on promoting and and a lot of media sources will just quote it without any kind of fact checking and i just did it too well i you know i didn't know i thought okay things have changed that's awesome and then i started getting uh, messages in my dna matches from you know as young as 12 years old Asking me for help to figure out who their parents were. Mm. And I, you know, I can't because they're minors and I'm a mandated reporter and I'm, uh, I have limited. So I always have to ask them, like, can you have your guardian tell me that it's okay for my, me? But, um, and they're like, it's
1: complicated. You're oh, like, I know. <laughs> yeah,
0: but I had no idea oh. that it was still That it was still like that. So I started looking into the laws and you have to have it written into your contract and how many, how many young, you know, birth parents are thinking like, I need to have my own lawyer. No way. Yeah, I can't use the same lawyer that the adoptive parents are using because that's a conflict of interest. You know, they, they're not going to think that, but I've, I've heard horrific stories from people saying, you know, I gave my child up in Utah and I was told that it would be an open adoption, but then I learned that it was their lawyer who was telling me that. And I didn't know any different and they cut off contact, you know, when my child was this many years old. And so, yeah, but anyway, uh, that's just something that, I hear quite frequently, but so you, yeah, had to both, you had to jump through all of these hoops and be sneaky to yeah. get- and, and I can only imagine how much money and time and mm. because you, were you working during this period?
1: I was, I was self self-employed direct sales. Um, you know, so I had a lot of flexibility, um, and I could go ahead. You had five kids. Yes. Yes. I mean, when I look back at that, Andy, I realized like it it was the demise. It almost was the demise of our marriage, but it was definitely the demise of my, my self-confidence, my, which poured over into my business. Um, you know, I, I, the sneakiness that you just referred to c- had to continue in order for me to k- keep introducing myself to family members. Every person was different. I could find one on Facebook, one on MySpace, one aunt who isn't on Facebook that I knocked at her door at work. Um, You know, it was just person after person and me doing these gymnastics with my search angel's help, trying to figure out how to breach the subject. And I could put a plug in for Brian Stanton's um, At Ghost Kingdom, his film, um, because it, I just watched it new and recently here in the last few months and it made me sob. And I, you know, I haven't processed emotion like that in a while because you watch him do that. You watch him person after person shoot into the dark, hoping he's finding his people and also Adapting to whoever he's talking to, like all of a sudden he becomes a certain kind of political belief, which I think he already was, but you know what I mean? Like it's it's so it's so humiliating to be standing there or typing something to someone that in my case I know I share a mother with or a father with, or genes with, and I have to pretend I don't know for sure or pretend I'm a stranger for a while until I can get comfortable. I mean, it just, it's humiliating. I know. And it's sneaky and you spend so long doing that, you know, you you just don't feel good about yourself that- Yeah, you feel dirty. Yeah. And all at the same time, you're just trying to get access to your family. Yeah. <laughs> it feels like that seems so logical and basic and instinctual, but you're having to sneak around and do it. It, it just, it's awful. I agree. I, I
0: think that was one of the most painful and dehumanizing and demeaning um, periods that I have been through in my life mm, yeah and, and I just found my paternal family last year so I just went through that again last year and <sighs> and it was... it's you know it still is demoralizing i I still think it's such a mistreatment mm-hmm. of of people to make you know, to react to us in a way that
1: conveys this message that we're less than.
0: Yeah. Or, or I was just other.
1: gonna say we we have, you have not. Mm-hmm. You know, you can, I know you can hear my bulldog snoring.
0: I wondered if that's what, I was like, did she have a really big
1: cat? What is that? <laughs> he, he lives my life with me. Every breath I take, he's okay. by me.
0: Well then for the <laughs> listeners, that is not my stomach growling. That's not hers. Neither of us has an upset stomach. That's oh my the dog. <laughs> because I was like it's too regular
1: for it oh funny Uh, well good at least we laughed a little because it was getting you know and and that that's some of the language they used against me they specifically my birth dad he got very angry with me and my his sister too who hugged me and cried when we were saying goodbye after we had spent dinner together and told me she would help me with her brother, my birth dad. And, but they, I mean, she used the word salacious that I, you know, tell my salacious tale and she wrote nasty, the nastiest letters I've ever seen to my husband trying to get him to get me to stop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Awful letters. And then my birth dad even took out an adult Mm. protection order against me. (laughs) I'm sorry. I know that's not funny. It's not (laughs) funny, but I still just like, really people? It helps me that you laugh because I hadn't contacted him ever again. I wasn't contacting him. It had been like five years since I once tried and he put out a protection order for, you know, so I wouldn't contact him. It was just that I had finally gotten to his parents and told them who I was, their granddaughter. And so he was furious and there's nothing else he could do. And you know, that was humiliating too. Like, like it's, it's a push and pull, right? You, you feel highly stressed in the situations of introducing yourself and will they open the door to you or not once you tell them who you are and when do you tell, you know, so you're already stressed about it. They're, they, my family, my birth family, at least is interpreting me that way. And then at the same time, I'm being encouraged by adoptees and my search angel to ignore it because I have the right to know these people if they want to know me. Yeah. So you're trying to. Juggle all that. Yeah. And like, keep the courage up to keep going and keep finding all the while, you know, they're seeing you as this intruder this scary and and people that know me are are laughing like you just did like I know. they're
0: afraid of you <laughs> I know I have, my husband and people are like but you're the nicest person that we know and I'm yeah. like, well apparently not apparently I am yeah the, you know destroyer of worlds that's what I am
1: yes, a threat I think my birth dad's um, protection order thing said he does, he's not sure what I'm capable of.
0: <laughs> well, of course not, because he's never bothered to meet you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or talk to you. Or I just, uh, I know. I, and then, you know, and you're also at the same time trying to navigate this process with your spouse and your kid. Yeah and your adoptive parents, and Ugh. your clients, and your employer, and your, uh, I mean, do, do people think we go into this out of some sort of voyeuristic mm-hmm. or um, nasty kind of perspective, but it's, it's that longing that you talk about, and it's that, how do we know, how do we know whether or not our family members would like to have a relationship with us if we're never given the opportunity to ask them. And, and so, you know, I don't, I, I'm sure there are some adopted people out there who are, who may go into their pursuit of, you know, their identities with this feeling of like, I'm gonna, I'm angry and I'm, I want these people to answer for what they did to me. I'm mm-hmm. I'm sure because there are so many adoptees who were adopted by abusive yeah. people. And I so you know I can I I get that I'm not speaking, you know, I can't say for every adoptee, but the mm-hmm. majority of adopted people that I talk to, we don't we don't pursue our identities and those connections Mm. because out of any desire to harm anyone
1: Mm -mm, mm -mm. it was to add to you know my heart was to add to we have a beautiful family and crazy beautiful kids that we're proud of and are good love lovers of their family and you know even my parents, like my dad, when my birth mom first said, no, I sent out an email. I just couldn't pick up the phone. I sent out an email to important people in my life. And my dad, bless his heart. He picked up the phone and called me, which he almost never does. And if I call him, he gives the phone to my mom, but he picked up the phone and called me and asked me how I was doing. And he said, yeah, you know, your mother and I are kind of disappointed too. We were picturing having her over sometime and telling her, thank you. You know, like we wanted to add. And so then you start to feel guilty. What did I do? What did my birth do to them that made them so, you know, closed? They're so traumatized, you know, whatever. I don't And, you know, the other thing you said about being, feeling voyeuristic or appearing to be voyeuristic and forget the other word you used.
0: Oh, gosh. It was good. Asking me to remember something.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) at least the voyeuristic part, I'll say um, it it wasn't voyeuristic to me until they shut me out. Yeah. And that's all I could do is try to find him on my computer. I mean, if you won't let me know you, all I can do is look at you. Yeah,
0: absolutely. That's all we can do is like chase these images
1: because we don't have anything else. Yeah. You, you're not letting me yeah. In. And so I, yeah, I am on the outside trying to look in. You bet.
0: I want another adoptee said that some of her uh, siblings have shared uh, films, like, you know, family movies. Mm -hmm. And I think that would be so tremendous to actually know what they look like and in motion. You know, like how they move and the little, because, you know, with your kids, with the little mannerisms that we have that,
1: because
0: yes, my see. adoptive, oh, so my adoptive, no, 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 no. his son was nine. And so his son doesn't even really remember him. And mm-hmm. yet he holds himself and moves and has mm-hmm. these little ticks that are just like his dad oh and so wouldn't it when you look at those pictures because that's all you can do yeah do you ever think like what what does their sound does their laugh sound like what did oh for sure yeah do they laugh would I hear my my child in my father's laugh
1: would I yes yeah yeah it's really um so uh, the I have one brother out of the six one of them has passed away so now there's five and one of those talks to me and he actually lives with my birth mom <laughs> so it's kind of crazy but he he's been a gym and you know I hear you say that and then I real like the video part or whatever but I've never asked him. And I, I wouldn't, like at now I'm a little nervous if he would ever hear this. he like, I think I'm asking, but I just wouldn't, I like I value him and I would never want him to feel like I keep talking to him because I want to get to her. Yeah, you know, so, yeah go ahead.
0: No, I was just saying, I can see
1: that. Doesn't well, it's also fear, right? Like, what if I did ask him and he'd be like, you know, no way, I'm not doing that, and then I wouldn't have a relationship. You know, it's that too. Just yeah, I'm on. A, I feel like I'm on a tightrope sometimes, even though he's not making me feel that way. He's been great, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah. I- it's people don't realize like we walk this like when I first with my first attempts at reunion with my maternal family I constantly I I described it to people as being held hostage Mm. because this was before the internet this was before DNA this was when any information that I wanted I was completely dependent yeah on, on these people yeah and whether or not they felt like give sharing anything at all with me and as soon as I started to be real about how I was how it was all impacting me
1: right. and as soon
0: as I began to pursue relationships with extended family beyond just uh, you know my mother and my grandparents I was completely, I was like completely shut out for a long time.
1: Mm. And,
0: and even, even now, you know, 22 years later, it, my mother refuses to talk to me about anything if it touches on being adopted at all. So we don't, we don't speak like our last conversation was very, and it wasn't really a conversation. So we've never, we've only had one phone call in 22 years. It's always been like letters or text messages.
1: Um, wow.
0: So, you, yeah. And I think that goes back to, I mean, it's so sad that you still have to feel afraid mm-hmm. that in order to maintain
1: this one relationship. Yeah, I can't. I And again, part of it, half of it is I wouldn't, I, I do value only him and I, I would not want to lose him
0: do you think you could say though, you know, I wouldn't, I've been told that I sound a lot like our mom. You know, would it ever be okay for me to, you know, I'd love, or just to say, I'd love to hear what she sounds like so that it's not
1: a request. Right. Oh, right. You would take it that way though. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Dude. I know. I I've become a chicken again. I really have, you know, when I was in the thick of it of knocking down doors. And now, you know, I like, even when you and I talked the first time about asking, going back to Illinois and asking for my files and the last adoption conference I was at, they told me to call to, you know, call on different days at different times to, to try to get the right social worker that even though they're not supposed to send, you know, redacted copies of everything, they'll do it. Like, I just, I don't, I have lost that. And I'm not saying I'll always have lost it, but right now I, you know, I feel like I've the edge I had then I don't, I maybe don't have.
0: Well, I think that, so, you know, one of the things that we hear is, you know, why aren't you over it yet? Why aren't you past that yet? Why aren't, why do you need to know? Why is it important to you? You have your own beautiful family. What do you need to know ours for? Uh, you know, all of these different things. And they don't realize that how you feel about your adoption is going to change as you change. Like at different stages in your life it's going to
1: impact you in different ways. Right. In ways you weren't expecting. Like when my best friend had grandkids, it really affected me that her, I could see her and her grandkids, you know, like just that family familial, I don't know the look, the they're in their faces, their eyes, it gets passed down, you know? So If my kids were in my birth family's photos, there would be that, you know, you know, and and obviously I think about my parents, um, you know, they don't have that to look forward to. Like I've had tears over that and just a sadness for them that I've been able to reach back and find who I look like, but they don't have anything forward you know, they, they can't open up a box of a baby that they never had and see what their, you know, children would have looked like. And it's, I think it's a fact we're wired to want that likeness, you know?
0: Yeah, I think so. Um,
1: I was going to say too, and this might be offensive, um, to adoptive parents, which I am, but can we think for a second about how, if you saw someone with a prosthetic arm, you know, everything else is in place and a prosthetic arm, you would not say to that person, you know, do you miss your arm? And well, why do you still miss it? You have a one that works fine. It does everything the other arm did your real arm, (laughs) you know, like, are you, when are you going to get over that? You don't have an arm like that's, that's not a thing. You don't get over something that you've lost. You just find ways to keep moving with that loss. That's
0: a very good point. That's very well said. I think yeah, I've, I've heard another way too where people will say so if I told you that I lost my parents when I was born mm-hmm. you would say oh my gosh that's so awful I'm so sorry right. I told you that I was adopted you say oh how lucky oh, yeah. that's yeah. how wonderful that's you know yeah. It's That's so true. like God created you to be mm. for this moment. I'm like, mm. so yeah, there's this very strange
1: way that we think about, yeah. you know, adopting it, it has to be good. Somehow it has to be good. Well, I think we
0: can acknowledge that, you know, like you, your adopted parents,
1: yes. it sounds yeah. like they were open with
0: you. They gave you you know, they helped you financially in your search. You're, you know, they've been supportive as, as far as they, you know, there may have been that moment of hesitation when you were
1: younger, but yeah, they've been amazing. And my extended family too, like aunts, uncles, cousins, you know, yeah, it's all good. And I, you know, that's what I hate to say. Like, even for our daughter, if maybe if I just talk about myself this way, like, We're a good prosthetic. (laughs) We're a very good prosthetic for her, you know, but we're, we're not the original.
0: Well, and it makes a difference if you've made an effort to expose her to her family and her culture and her background. We
1: have, but like my counselor said, what if every time you offer her that, she is thinking the words were more cursed than this but you know i don't want anything to do with her i don't want anything to do with that country i you know just because you know what i mean like the the break the brokenness is still there regardless of how and what we offer her she still lost it and it's up to her if she will connect with it or not.
0: Well, but you can make the offer and let her decide, or you can let her, at least the fact that you're asking her and and including her in those decisions rather than making all of the decisions for her. I just, I know that it can be really complicated. And I, I know that the idea of, Adoptees adopting is controversial, right? A lot of pe- along among a lot of people. And it is
1: for me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I just didn't know it was at the time.
0: Yeah. So, but this this show is not about that controversy. So we're gonna right. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yep. So, you have experienced this rejection for a long time from your parents, and yet you're in relationship with their families,
1: like your family, it's your family. Yeah. Yeah. I have living still. I have a great aunt and great uncle who I need to go see. Um, they're I think 88 to 92, 80s, some, something like that, late eighties, early nineties. And he, he's now not doing very well, but he's just been, he has a twinkle in his eye for me. Every time I go see them, he, he and his wife both have been precious. And then I have a cousin on both sides. So my birth mom's cousin, my birth dad's cousin, um, and a half brother that's living with my birth mom.
0: Well, I'm so glad that you have been welcomed by so many of your family members. That is yeah. that is a wonderful gift. And, it is. And um, so, what would you kind of, as we wrap up, what would you say to someone who is maybe considering applying for their um, files in, <clears throat> sorry, in Illinois, or who's maybe just starting on this whole like, how to, how do you even figure out where to start? What would you tell them?
1: Um, I would tell them to reach out to me and I will connect them to my search angel in South Dakota because she's amazing. That'd be the first thing I would do. Um, not to flood her mailbox, but um, you know, having someone who gets people in this triad, the way she does, I I don't know anyone like her. Um, She was very, very, continues to be very, very helpful. So I know that's a pretty specific piece of advice, but I do mean it. Um, And I would say, please don't listen to the quote unquote horror stories, mine included and get discouraged about searching, even what I've been through, I would do it, ugh, it's hard to say I would do it again because <laughs> it almost killed me, literally. Um, I, I was in danger, um, but I would not, I, I would do it again because now I know it, you we need to know you need to know you want to know um you need to search and and get to the other side you know i, I it, it along with that, no matter how you think you have prepared or are preparing, you're not <laughs> um and also release i have to i can't listen to any classes about navigating a reunion i can't cuz i already did it and in some cases i'll I'll walk by and i'll hear point number 3 don't do this or point number 4 do and i'm like oh man i screwed it up like i i just want to say grace you know you don't know what you're doing. There's no, I mean, maybe now there are a few more, you know, suggestions or whatever out there, but you are kind of shooting from, you're in a lot of situations, or at least I was where you're shooting from the hip and you are who you are and just grace for yourself, go easy on yourself. Um, it's not all in your hands, you know, you, it won't because you said, or didn't say the perfect words, you know, that something turns out or didn't.
0: Yeah. No, I, I thank you for that. And, and uh, I will include in the show notes, there is a free search angel organization that is like, um, they're trained search angels there with the search squad. Which is a sister organization with the DNA Detectives on Facebook, so that if Jamie's Search Angel is not available, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, there are other there are other resources, and you do want to look into your Search Angel carefully in, in if they're fee based, just because not all of them are equal mm-hmm. in their skills. And I think what you say to Jamie about those classes on navigating reunion, I, I feel the same way. I think kind of as you do in that I have been through two maternal and paternal, just like yourself mm-hmm. and what worked just fine with one mm-hmm. person did not work with another person and I received a ton of advice from people who said, send a certified letter. Don't send a letter. Just call. Don't contact them on Facebook. Do contact them on Facebook. You know, use an intermediary service. Don't ever use an intermediary Oh, gosh, yeah. It can be crazy making. So (laughs) I I think what you did with reading a lot of adoptee memoirs Mm -hmm. I think with the online support communities that exist where you can interact with other adoptees and talk and, but ultimately, like I said, you've got to, you have to move forward. uh, Mm -hmm.
1: you know, with your own, as you are, you are, you know, you're you. Yeah. And you might,
0: and, and what you said about you would do it all over again. I would too. I mean, I might, there are things I might do differently now, Mm -hmm. but well, it would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? (laughs) With the internet now and and DNA, it would be much simpler, but uh, there are still a lot of people out there with very complicated uh, because their states don't allow them access to their information or because they were adopted internationally. And their country of yeah. origin doesn't keep good records. Or they were trafficked. Uh, you know, there are a lot of different circumstances under which we become adoptees. And uh, so, so yeah. So Jamie's given you permission to reach out to her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and, I will, and I will include in the show notes, uh, Jamie's got a... Uh, a blog that she used to do. That's lovely. And any other, she's working on a memoir. So keep your eyes open for Jamie's memoir.
1: Yeah. I sent you the link to my thesis and it's, you know, 90 some pages, but the last four chapter, I don't know if you, the they're actually called chapters, but the creative writing is at the end, there are four pieces there that I consider artful. The rest of it, all the front end of it may be helpful, you know, also to adoptees. It's just more of an academic approach to what writing does, you know, therapeutically, and what writing has been done, is being done out there around adoption. Um, so, you know, just so someone knows what they're, what they might find when they go out there looking.
0: Well, thank you. I look forward to including that in the show notes. And thank you so much for being here today.
1: Oh, thanks,
0: Andy. I enjoyed it. Thank Uh, you very much. Thank you. And thank you to all the listeners and uh, have a lovely day, wherever you may be. Yes. See you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.